Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we've got another array of mishmash of comic books for you this episode. It's another one that you're welcome to skip. So I think there's like nine or ten issues that we're going to cover, but but don't worry, fans. This is not going to be as long as our usual long ones because a lot of these are really short, and a lot of them we're not going to really cover. We're just going to kind of briefly mention. You'll see. You'll see. You get the hang of this. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. It's just like riding a bike. This episode of the podcast. So yes, uh, let's start with um, Crystar, the saga of Crystar, Crystal Warrior. The Saga of Crystar, Crystal Warrior, number six, cover date of March of 1984. It was on sale November 29th of 1983. That is a big difference. It is 60 cents, and this one's titled Demon. And on the cover of the Saga of Crystar, Crystal Warrior, is Nightcrawler teleporting. And in the background, there's some, I guess, crystal warriors. I guess so, but it kind of looks like one of those 1990s style covers where the, like it was some sort of embossed weirdness. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely trying to go for the embossed look, but uh, yeah, it's not. I don't think such a thing was invented yet, so I don't don't imagine that it was going for that. Well, certainly not for comic books anyways. So... Uh, I had uh, never heard of Crystar the Crystal Warrior prior to this uh, episode. Had you? Uh, yeah, I remember it was a toy. So in uh, one of the other comics we read, there's actually an advertisement for Crystar Crystal Warrior toys. That's right. That was the first time I had ever seen an advertisement for Crystar Crystal Warrior toys. I've never heard of this before, Adam. It was at a time when there were a lot of toys coming out. Um. I think there was, I think this is like right around the time of Transformers and GoBots. Oh, yeah. Like G.I. Joe is definitely out. Transformers are about to come out, which means GoBots are also about to come out. So this is is the the dawn of toy, comic, TV show, tie-in, bonanza. I wonder if the saga of Crystar Crystal Warrior had a TV show. I never heard of it, but, you know, I don't know everything. I have to imagine that there's probably a pilot out there somewhere. I mean, maybe maybe toys and cartoons hadn't quite caught on until after the whole G.I. Joe thing. But mm. I don't know. Because, like, didn't, like, the GoBots spinoff, the Rock Warriors, have a show? I think so. Yeah, so pretty much every toy after Transformers had a show. Visionaries. Remember them? No. <laughs> I remember um You remember Mask, I know that. Oh Mask was Mask was huge. Uh Inhumanoids, I remember them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh there was a lot of you'd see the to- I'd see the commercial for the toy and I'd be like, Oh that toy looks awesome and then like it seemed uh, oh, like weeks later, whatever that toy show was would debut. Um and I don't think many of them went for more than like a season or two. No, the big ones were G.I. Joe, Transformers, Thundercats. I was a huge fan of um, 
uh, Silverhawks. That didn't last very long. No, it didn't. But I, the toys were awesome because the toys were like, uh, maybe uh, eight inches tall and they were, they were that silver painted thing. And then you'd clip, you'd, 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 you'd squeeze their legs and their wings would come out or their arms would flip up and their wings would be revealed. I'm getting a flashback. Like we've talked about this before. Is this the, the toy with the guitar guy? Oh my God. I didn't have him, but yeah, he was the pilot of the, of their ship and he had a guitar gun. And then the bad girl, she had a uh, keytar gun. Okay. Yeah, this is a def- conversation that we have definitely had before. We've <laughs> definitely had that conversation. Yeah, so without further ado, I just did a quick search uh, on the Googles, and all I can find is comic book and toy information for Chris Tarr. So I'm thinking you're right, Adam. I'm thinking that this was before the wave of TV tie-ins. This was an interesting issue, I thought, because it actually plays out like a X-Men issue with these weird Chris Tarr people in it. Sure. Sure. Like, really, you could just, this could have been an episode of X-Men. It would have been a weird one, but. It could have been like a one-off, maybe. Sure. This is kind of like a Nightcrawler miniseries in one issue. Um, a Nightcrawler one-shot. Sure, I'll give you that. Um, this one was written by Joe Duffy. It was penciled by Ricardo Villamonte. Dave Simons is the inker. Janice Chang is the letterer. Andy Yakis is the color. Yankus and Ralph Macchio is the editor. Jim Heem Shooter is the editor in chief. And uh, as we mentioned, this one's titled Demon, and we see Nightcrawler doing some sort of trapeze act. And an unseen, who I presume the professor, says, Nightcrawler, for your sake, I hope you are prepared for this. Your next mistake could be your last, because that's how deadly the danger room really is. They don't call it the danger room for no reason, Adam. It's dangerous. Is it that dangerous, though? And Has uh, there ever been an issue where someone died in the danger room? Not so far. Probably not ever, too. Well, I can't say that. I'm sure somebody at some point has died in the danger room. They could title it Death in the Danger Room. (laughs) Uh, So he says that, uh, Well, then I shall make no mistakes. And he goes through a series of danger room, I don't know, tasks. Something shot at him. He spins around it. He clings to the wall while this thing follows him. He jumps towards a little pole that he's going to do some swinging on, but the pole retracts. And so he has to scramble and uh, improvise, which he does by sticking himself to the wall and teleporting back down to the ground. For this, the professor congratulates him. Good work, Nightcrawler. Scraboom, says the missile. You managed to... Uh, show a certain measure of ingenuity and even panache while you did so. Hmm. Training session is now concluded. And that's the end of the professor's role. It's so weird that he, the professor wasn't even in this. It might not have even been the professor. It could have just been like a random <laughs> voice of the danger room. I suppose we could have done our Cyclops voice. It could have been Wolverine. We could have been Kesar. Wow, we wasted it. We wasted <laughs> oh, voice. <laughs> a perfect Kesar opportunity down the drains. You know... Christar might have a French accident. <laughs> I'm, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, of course he does. I totally agree with that. I can't <laughs> believe I didn't really realize it before now. Uh, so he uh, is good. He's happy about this, the fact that the Danger Room session is over because he has a big date tonight with Amanda. We uh, we get some German. Sehr gut. 
which means very good. Mm-hmm. We've probably done that one. Yeah. So he shows up uh, at Amanda Sefton's place, and uh, they're like, hey, hey, danger. Let's totally make out. So okay. the kiss. Under a giant heart. Yeah. And they go into Amanda's place and, I don't know, they're just talking about their powers and superheroes. And yeah, we get like a why Nightcrawler, like what Nightcrawler is and why he's an X-Man. Yep. You know, it's like a primer. Yeah, exactly. Nightcrawler's like, well, you're a stewardess. That's uh, not very ordinary. And we won't discuss your little hobby. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you're a magician. You, mm. you know I'm not her practicing these days. After that whole Doctor Strange incident. <laughs> that I'm not going to talk about. Oh, but you are. You enchant me whenever I look at you. Oh, flatterer. I'm sweet. <laughs> they have a dinner appointment, but they have time, so they decide to get a drink. And Nightcrawler discovers a crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very French-looking ball sitting on a very French-looking purple pillow. Hello, says the ball. (laughs) (laughs) I am Crystal Ball. Nightcrawler's like, hmm, I thought you weren't practicing anymore. Why is there a Crystal Ball over there? Well, you know, I'm not really competing anymore, but I was really drawn to this thing. I don't know why, and I had to bring it out. And uh, honestly, Kurt, it felt so awful. I wasn't going to try to do anything, but I wanted to trace the source to see if I could learn what had happened and where it came from. Yeah, the last few days she has gotten a strange feeling like something had happened to space itself right in this room. Here. In here. At any rate, there's a whole lot of magic, uh, trans-dimensional magic loose around the apartment. So could you go get me some water and um, don't bamf. Oh, teleport. Don't teleport. But before she can get out the word teleport, he bamfs. Bamf. And she says, because apparently, when he teleported, he got caught in a wave of magic. This last photo or uh, image of her is strange. It, it looks like like her dress looks like it doesn't have a middle piece in this drawing. <laughs> it's a very tight dress. Yeah, yeah, a little too tight. <laughs> Never, Adam. <laughs> um, yeah, she she could certainly use a sandwich. I mean, there's not much meat on her bones. <laughs> Uh, there are different panels in which her waistline is even skinnier than the previous. Yeah. Uh, when I first read it, it looked like maybe her costume was had, had taken some damage because of the Banff, but no, it's just the way that it's lit here in this red panel. So, I don't know. So, we we uh, we get a view of planet Kristar. I assume that's the name of the planet. I'm just assuming everything is Kristar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess we're just, it's Chris Star living on the planet Chris Star by the Chris Star beasts, by the Chris Star trees. So you didn't know anything about Chris Star from beforehand? No, nothing, not a thing. Okay. We talked um, about this already. I know, but like, you know, we we learn a lot about Chris Star and the Chris Star warriors. I guess we'll, we'll get into that. I didn't because I wasn't really paying attention to any of it. Uh, Nightcrawler is very surprised because a man is leading a dragon down the street. A real live dragon on a leash. What kind of madhouse have I teleported into? Mein Gott. Yeah. So he's very confused. Uh, he sees like a little village or something, I guess, behind him. Looks like there's a bunch of tents or whatever. And uh, he thinks somebody's coming, so he will hide. And he gets, 
He gets attacked by a man on a, a green man on a dragon who says, a chaos demon. This is, uh, well, he's talking about Lord Feldspar. And I couldn't just help thinking about like Feldspar paint every time his name came up. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's a brand of paint. I don't, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, I, I may have used it. I have no idea. Yeah. So anyways, he does get attacked um, by somebody who mistakes him for a chaos demon. Uh, but Nightcrawler is able to easily escape by teleporting away. And that's when we get all of the Chris Tar story. Um, yes. Meanwhile, with Uncle Feldspar. <laughs> so here's what I gleaned. I'm not going to go through this page by page. But what I gleaned was... There's two warring factions. There's the Moltars and the Crystars, and then there's Uncle. And Uncle is, like, neutral, and I guess he's got a crystal uh, torso and a molten uh, Moltar legs. And apparently he is more friendly with Crystar than he is with Moltar, but he doesn't want to uh, lead that on. So it's really, yeah. really weird. You got the gist. That's the gist. Kristar hangs out with uh, two associates, Tila and Man-at-Arms. I mean, uh, Ika and Koth. Which one's the girl? That's Ika. Okay. And that's when one of the green dudes is. Presumably the guy who was on the dragon comes running in. Kristar! Kristar, a demon! I saw it in the place! The marketplace! Oh, there's another point that apparently Moltar isn't really so bad, but... He's being manipulated by this human guy named Zardeth. Yeah. Just a, just a side note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Koth has a pretty cool mustache for a crystal being. Yeah. It stretches beyond the sides of his face. It's very cool mustache. And I, I guess it's a, actually, crystal, it's a crystal mustache. Actually, has one too. Yeah. Well, I mean, they all have. I guess this, this is a common thing. They all have long crystal hair. I am called Kristar because I do not have a mustache. <laughs> yeah. But I have. I have fantastic hair, and I I look like He-Man. This is basically a He-Man ripoff. Yeah. Well, was He-Man out at this point? I don't know. Could He-Man be a ripoff of this? Of course, does. I don't. Yeah, we have, he, we'd have to look it up. I think He-Man's. You know, yeah, He-Man he, he has to be out. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I recall watching He-Man in uh, thinking, thinking third grade. Well, that'd have been right around this time. Could have been a year before or a year after. I'm thinking that this is a year after and that this is a He-Man ripoff. Could be. With 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 an interesting story where the bad guys are crystals, or the good guys are crystals and the bad guys are molten. Yeah, and they're all misunderstood, right? Yeah. So uh, this guy is like, hey, let's go get the Chaos Demon. So they're like, well, let's go. So they go. Kristar makes an agreement with his uncle to allow him to stay to look for the, because I guess there's some sort of treaty going on where... None of the brothers are allowed to live in the main city. Right. Uh, and I guess Uncle Kristar Moltar doesn't want to play favorite, so he's like, you guys go do this by yourself. I don't have anything to do with this. So they do. They go searching for uh, Nightcrawler, and, and they they don't find him, but Nightcrawler gets the gist from the way that they're talking that he doesn't want to mess with these guys. He doesn't really know what's going on. Well, he thinks that I guess there's a possibility that these are the bad guys now, doesn't he? I I don't really think that he gets it. I think he's just scared because of the guy with the dra- the dragon guy kind of attacked him. Mm-hmm. So he's basically avoiding all of these people. And the guy with the dragon is with them. So. so as they're about to discover Nightcrawler, he does teleport away and everyone's like, Ugh, what's that smell? 
Mm, what's that? Wait, that's not. That's uh. What's the? What's uh? This Ica? No, it's Ithia. Who's the other guy? <laughs> uh, Koth. Koth. It's probably it doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. He's he thinks it's smelly. It's man at arms. Man at arms. Kristar says, "It's me, some kind of self-fair brimstone, I guess." And Nightcrawler apparently bamfed somewhere. Like these guys don't have an idea of what Nightcrawler's powers are because he bamfs somewhere else and he has no idea where he's bamfing to. Joe Duffy doesn't know how yet to write Nightcrawler, so she writes him teleporting into the Moltar land. And they're all like, "Welcome." Hey, hey, look who joined the party. Come on in here. Slugger. It's that chaos demon we called. Woot woot. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, well, um, all right. Uh, could could you keep me away from the glass people? They don't like me. Can't imagine why. <laughs> I've never been anything like them before, nor done them any harm. Hmm. Seen. I've never seen anything like them before. Eh, whatever. So they've never been anything like that. That doesn't make any sense at all. So they're talking about chaos. And I yeah. know who they're talking about, Adam. You do? Sure. Who's chaos? He's an entity. From this from this this series, Kristar? I think he's like a general Marvel Universe entity, isn't he? There's like a there's a dude named Order and a dude named Chaos, isn't there? You think that's reference to that? Oh wow. Okay. I think so. I don't feel like Kristar is really very well established in the actual Marvel Universe, but you could be right. There's You could totally be right. There's Lord Chaos. It just seems to be too much of a, a coincidence. And he lives in the magic realm, and uh, he kind of has a Jason Voorhees-like face. So he's wearing a hockey mask? No. He's like without the hockey mask face. Mm. But he crosses over to... You know, Odin and Dormammu and Infinity Gems and Galactus and Elders of the Universe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's no stretch to me that they said, hey, Kristar needs uh, a device. Let's throw chaos in over there. I mean, we're already establishing that somehow they're in the Marvel Universe or Omniverse or whatever you want to call it. I bet they're in the Microverse. They might be. So anyways, Nightcrawler thinks that they are talking about the concept chaos, not a god named chaos. So he's like, oh, that's all right, whatever. There's this girl there that's like totally naked and uh, she's made of molten lava, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And and she's pretty hot. She's And she's way into Nightcrawler too, uh, which begs the question, like, if you touch her, is she super hot? <laughs> and I don't mean, you know, I, I, I mean physically hot, <laughs> not not, you know. I don't know. Well, apparently, she's dating uh, Moltar. Yeah, and Moltar, we'll, we will later learn on, is super jealous. But she seems pretty lo loose about it because she just walks off with Nightcrawler and uh, just, what do they call you? And you'll like it here. Our headquarters, it's all hot and bright and lovely, filled with the scent of brimstone. Uh, one thing I got to say about this issue, the artwork and the coloring I really like. It's It's got a lot of cool coloring and yeah the artwork isn't that bad yeah so anyways he's like oh my gosh dragons and they're like oh haven't you ever seen a dragon before and he's like well there's one back where i come from but he's tiny referring to of course lockheed yes um so, naked girl does have enormous boobs she, I, I will point that out but i mean that's standard for comics so yeah nothing new <laughs> <laughs> these dragons are tame but they can be extremely fierce if it enemies around 
I'll bet Nightcrawler thinks to himself. So uh, Nightcrawler gets a whiff of brimstone. Phew, is that what brimstone smells like? No wonder my friends object when I teleport. I will never teleport again. <laughs> he doesn't actually think about that. Nightcrawler's sad. <laughs> um, so I guess there's a kind of a um, case of mistaken intention or identity because a uh, molten girl here thinks that Nightcrawler's here to talk to the master. Uh, chaos, right? Yeah. So, and he's like, whatever, I guess I'll hang out. So they, they throw him on this like weird looking throne thing. So I don't know if they intend to make him like their prince or something or their king. Lady Levour is her name. I would have called her Magma. Well, we're going to have a Magma pretty soon. Oh, do we? We will in the New Mutants. Oh, okay. That's Maybe that's where I got the name from. <laughs> so meanwhile, there's this other girl with like a bikini and a knife who's kind of listening in. That's Ika. Ika. And she's like, uh, she overhears all this stuff, and it looks like she's going to go in for the kill or something. Um, I don't know what the deal is. I think she is probably going to go back and tell the others that they're here. I think she just looks like she's going in for the kill because of the pose they did it, but I don't think she's going in. So she thinks she, she's a scout here? Yeah, I think she's she's just a scout. He, she, so Stalax was right. He is a chaos demon. I knew they'd come here eventually if I'd waited because these guys are jerks. Yeah, so still a case of mistaken identity. So meanwhile, Kristar and the green guy, whatever his uh, man-at-arms, they're walking down the Kristar path, and that's when they notice some strange-looking clothes on the ground. And uh, I think it's man-at-arms. Uh, no, Kristar uh, recognizes these as earth clothes, which means... The chaos demon that came must be from Earth. Right. It must not be a demon at all. So. Yeah. <laughs> so they find. That monster may not be a chaos creature at all. And if he does come from the Earth, well, there are only two people among all people of Castalium who've ever opened the pathway to Earth. Ica's father is one. And Ogio, and his name is Ogiode, and the other is Zardeth. We don't like him. As I mentioned before. He's a bad guy. Oh, and look, here are Ica's stuff. Oh, no. So apparently the place where the molten people took Nightcrawler is the Caverns of Chaos. So these guys are like, well, we got to go to the Caverns of Chaos to find out what else is going on. It's their house. Yeah. Let's hang out in the Caverns of Chaos. So uh, Magma. More, more flirting with Magma and Nightcrawler. She's all like, look at that sexy tail. Does everybody on your planet have a sexy tail? Does everybody on Chaos Land have a sexy tail? No, as far as I know, mine is the only one. This is where Nightcrawler finally pieces together the puzzle. And he's like, the more I hear about Chaos, the more I am certain they are not referencing their concept, but to some actual person. What have I gotten myself into? Well, he says, what kind of mess have I bamfed myself into? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when... Ika shows up and she's been captured by the molten man. Ika, 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 She's like, get off me, you pervs. She's all like, my grandma said to your grandma. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to set your chaos cavern on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so they found her outside spying and they're not very happy about it. And what are they going to do with her? Probably kill her. I don't know. But uh, uh, what is his name? Zardeth. Zardeth uses his magic and he's like making her feel all bad and stuff. 
But um, it doesn't work because she may not be the mage that her father is, but he's not helpless. She's not helpless. So she starts casting spells, but it doesn't really work because Zardeth, like is too powerful. Mm-hmm. Kind of casts her into herself, and now she's kind of a quivering mass on the floor. And Nightcrawler's like, oh, these are the bad people. Uh-oh. <laughs> Nightcrawler goes in to protect Ika, and Zardeth is about to strike them both down. And that's when Kristar shows up with his mighty crystal sword and does some slashing. He says, he says, Fabulous secret powers were granted to me the day I held aloft my mighty sword and said, By the power of grace, Christar, I have the power of Christar. And he aims his sword over at Koth, and he turns into Battle Cat. <laughs> it's amazing. And I guess Ika turns into She-Ra, and it's a big old family reunion. Oh, that guy is Tila. The mm. dragons are, they're battle dragons. Okay. So, yeah, Kristar, he's cut. I'm not sure who Skeletor up. is. Would that be Moltar or Zardeth? I don't know. Zardeth, I guess. Well, Prince Kristar, it will be my pleasure to finish you off face to face. He says that because apparently Zardeth shot, was about to shoot. Nightcrawler in the back with some magic, and that's when Kristar showed off and held aloft his mighty sword. And so, um, Man at Arms, he captures Zardeth in a net, and yeah. Ika <laughs> uh, has a magical key which will return Nightcrawler to Earth. That's terrific. What is it? Says Stalax. There's like some jealousy that happens somewhere around here. Yeah, uh, it turns out that Magma was uh, Kristar's ex-girlfriend. Mm. Oh. But she chose Moltar over Kristar because, um, well, is that what happened? Well, he says, uh, uh, that's enough, Lavour. I don't need you fighting my battles. This is, um, who is this again? This is Moltar. And I don't want you talking to Kristar, reliving your love for each other. So I'm very insecure. <laughs> and so just by talking to her you guys are totally reliving your love i can see it even nightcrawler's like well if somebody doesn't do something fast that loves a uh, sick maniac might hurt someone yeah lavor chose me because i am the better man can't find a better man <laughs> yeah so they capture zardeth they take him away he, zardeth calls out for the guards um I don't know what happens here. Then they start fighting, I guess. Oh, and eventually they decide to hightail it um, because they really shouldn't be fighting because it'll destroy the... Oh, the treaty, yeah. The treaty. Um, and Kristar complains about it for a while. I'm jumping ahead. It doesn't uh, <laughs> Zardeth eventually escapes from his net. Wolf, or I mean, uh, Wolverine. Jesus, I wish he was in this issue. Nightcrawler, he teleports all the place doing this like, oh, I'm over here. No, I'm over here. Now look at me over here. Uh, and I guess he confuses our death, and they all leave the cavern of chaos. And I don't actually know what happens to Zardeth. Well, he just hangs out. He's all like, I'll get you next time, Christarians. Oh, God. He is like fist pumping there at Nightcrawler while Nightcrawler hangs on a stalactite. You don't see the word balloon where he's like, Ew. it should be there, but it's not. <laughs> 
So they, uh, yeah, they take off from the crystal caverns of chaos and they head back out and Tila's like, all right, well, I'm going to send you back from Earth, but I'd really like to thank you because I'm really appreciative. Um, so if you want to hang out with me in this romantic moonlight, I can show you how grateful I am. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> and meanwhile, back on Earth in Amanda's apartment, where apparently she's got a fireplace in her apartment. It's been hours for, uh, he's been gone for hours. Oh, my poor baby. If only I knew what it had, had become of him. Oh, Amanda Liebchen, I'm back. Oh, oh, Kurt, I was so worried. Where have you been? And he's like, well, I traced the source of the time-space disruption to, and she says, Crystallium! Oh, did you know all along? <laughs> you you kind of took the uh, wind out of my story there. No, I didn't know that's where you were, but I recognize those jewels. That hussy Ica wears those. Calm down, Amanda. It was all... That is, she and I, Millie. What I want is an explanation. And she thinks to herself, And knowing you, it'll be a beauty. So, uh, I don't know. You think, did, did Nightcrawler cheat on Amanda with Ica? Hmm. No way. <laughs> nah. Nightcrawler's way too much of an upstanding guy to cheat on Amanda. That's true. I suppose he couldn't become a priest if he... Yeah, I'm sure there's just like a bunch of awkward like, well, I'm a man in jaw of woman made out of crystal. Um, Can you send me I, back now? <laughs> I'd really like to do stuff that I shouldn't do, but let's, let's, uh, let's, let's call it a day. Yeah. So he, w- w- did he think about doing it? Probably. I mean, she's a very attractive crystal woman. <laughs> yes. So let's, uh, here's what we're going to do next because that issue is over there is this very that's not very long but very many issues of daredevils five that's right plural daredevils plural which we've covered before right there's we're going to cover issue five which sets off the adventure like issue eight nine ten eleven and then apparently daredevils stopped and the story continues in mighty world of marvel seven eight and nine. And those are the only ones with characters that are really relevant to us. So we don't know what happens. Well, spoilers. Basically, um, it's an interesting story. Uh, any idea why they skipped, uh, issue six and seven? Well, the, the reason that I didn't include them was just because, uh, Betsy wasn't in them. Oh, well, it's an interesting story about captain Britain, uh, some crazy, guy that can rebuild himself. So I kind of likened him to Master Mold. Uh, but he's not Master Mold. He's some other crazy British character guy. Uh, Who are you talking about? The guy that rebuilds himself. The 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 space guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, anyways, it's it's an interesting story, but it, it really has very little to do with the X-Men, other than the fact that uh, Betsy Braddock is in it. And also... Sebastian Shaw is in it, and um, who am I missing? Uh, 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 Henry Gyrich. Yeah. Henry Peter Gyrich. Uh, Adam, this is the thing I don't understand about Captain Britain. Like, is there more Captain Britain than uh, what we've already covered thus far? Which is basically oh, yeah. these issues. Uh, there's a few Daredevils that we read uh, a little while ago that, that had some Betsy stuff in it. But is there more? There's got to be a lot more. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot more. Because this this story, for so for those of you, we're not going to do it justice. We're not going to cover. We're just going to talk a little I mean, bit about to, some to, characters. To, but- to, to be fair, like when we first discovered, uh, what is his name? Captain UK, Captain Britain. Um, he had a completely different costume. So right. I imagine there were a whole bunch of adventures in that costume. Right. And then when we caught up with him now, he's wearing a completely different costume, which is the costume that he still wears to this day. So it's it's Alan Moore and Alan Davis kind of creating this very um, convoluted, but I don't want to say that in a negative way because there's a lot of uh, arcs and storylines going on that kind of intersect and carry on and move off. Uh, so it's very interesting. And I it starts re- out with this evil super team that invades the mansion. We'll call it uh, Britain Mansion or Braddock Mansion. Braddock Manor. Braddock Manor, and uh, they kidnapped Captain Captain Britain, and then they turn out to be okay, and they're just doing a job, and they're in it just for the money, Adam. Um, apparently, Betsy is dating some guy named Thomas Lennox. Oh, he's another he's another uh, telepath slash psychokinetic. He's apparently quite powerful. Um, he dies in this run. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's a lot of super-powered beings that are hanging out at Braddock Manor that um, the the super-villains, uh, they, don't, they don't kill them, but he dies in that run. But they basically the, very easily take them all out while they're trying to get to Captain Britain. And they need to get to Captain Britain because they need to have him uh, testify for on the behalf of Saturnine, who I believe we met the last run we did. And I believe she's like an ex girlfriend of his or maybe they just have a prior superhero relationship i get they're they're, they're kind of flirty through this so i I get the feeling that they had a thing whether it's like a girlfriend boyfriend or just really good friends or whatever and then she uh, betrayed him in some fashion yeah i'll buy that yeah that's that's i don't know but that's the impression that i get and i want to say that she will uh grace the pages of excalibur when that comes up so that would make sense uh, but anyways, yeah, so she's he's got to do that, and he's all like, what? I, Saturnine? You can't have me do that. That's crazy. But then they introduce this other, like, uh, Jim Jasper storyline, which is really intriguing, which is what I wanted to get into. But, yeah, that's like the main storyline. <laughs> but you don't get that storyline until, like, three or four chapters in, it seems. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so th- this whole thing happens, and the bad guys turn out to be good guys, and Saturnine Turns out to be working well with Captain Britain. And that's when we get to the meat of the story, which, interestingly enough, starts out uh, with the introduction of the guy that you referred to, the, the space guy. And um, it's, a, it's a homeless person wearing, looks like a woman, I guess, uh, holding a bag with a smiley face on it, which gets an arrow sh- shot through it. And then we get that uh, a, a shot of the, the smiley face, a giant smiley face with a hole through the head of it. Which is very reminiscent of Watchmen, mm. which was also by Alan Moore. And I was I'm wondering if like it's just a concept that he really likes. The smiley face with damage to it. Probably. I thought it was, I just thought it was interesting. But that's a side note. It is a side note. I mean there's a some there's a Captain UK comes who I, she's like from a different reality and so she comes because she needs to give Captain Britain a warning and uh, it's very a lot of things and, and going she on. does uh, and that's when we wait do we there's another oh well 
they have space adventures and they get back to the mansion. Yeah. And uh and that's when we cut to our Jim Jasper scene. So Jim Jasper's like this evangelist guy who's like superpowers are bad and look what they can do to us and we need to do something about them and register them and and stuff. So apparently it was, he gives the exact same speech that he gave in uh alternate reality Captain UK's the the woman that you mentioned her timeline and her timeline everybody ended up getting wiped out and killed and stuff. And, and apparently Captain uh, UK is a terrible, terrible superhero because uh, Captain Britain's like, but you can help us. You're a superhero. You can do this. And she's like, no, because I will sell you out for a potato chip. I'll be like, he's the superhero, not me. Well, apparently things were so bad after James Jaspers gave his talk in her reality that she's terrified yes. of the same thing happened. She wasn't terrified enough to come give the message, but she doesn't want any part in this. Right. She's like, I'm I'm out of here. Like, you deal with this. Uh, I don't know. Some more stuff happens with that original supervillain group that we talked about. Uh, this is where we get our... Uh, the the after after James Jasper's speech, uh, he greets Sebastian Shaw and Peter Gyrich. Oh yeah, there's a really interesting sequence where so they have their conversation, and Henry Peter Gyrich's like, "I'm not here on an official business," and they are ha 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 ha. Yeah, superpowered people are bad. But then there's like this scene where I think it's Jim Jasper who's like, "Oh, I wanted red wine, but he's got white wine instead," and like the panel goes to like an inverse black and white. And then it comes back and he's got his white wine is turned into red wine and off panel or I think in the description thing, it says like off panel, somebody screams. So it's kind of setting up like maybe Jim Jasper's got some powers that he doesn't want people to know about. Yeah. So that's that was that's where I was like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, and yes. And then there's all this stuff about these this uh, daughter and father uh I guess maybe they're not. Maybe they're girl and boy or lovers or something. But uh, they're playing a chess game with all of these characters as pieces. Oh, the so the man is Merlin. Oh, really? Okay. I think is that well, or they're referring to a different person who's in this area playing chess with Merlin. That's why I'm asking. Like, there's there's a lot of uh, backstory that we don't even know about because it seems like these two people playing chess are in some different plane of existence. And yeah, they're yeah. like they're controlling all of this, sort of. It's a game because uh, one of the guys is like, "Oh, there's something I didn't consider, something I didn't consider, or something like that." Right, which turns out to be the spaceman. And the spaceman eventually comes back, and there's like a like a huge fight with the villains from original, but they're like, "We only fight for money. We're not gonna help." Oh, that's just well. That's the one guy, right. the guy in the black suit. Whatever his, I can't remember his name. What his name was? Uh, there's another guy who's got like so black the, suit guy. Black suit guy. There's another guy who's got like a really cool power where he can just call various um, versions of himself from various timelines. Yeah, he's like multiple man, but across time. But the the most interesting part of that is during this whole fight, one of his copies is killed, and they some surmise that what that means is that. When he gets to that point in his timeline, like it's over. <laughs> yeah, they're all gonna they're all gonna pop out of existence. Yeah. So some of them are still around, but there are no future ones anymore. And 
the rest of them are just in the past and they're they're basically living up to that point. Yeah. So they're all like, you got like three weeks. This really sucks. Like you're going to die and <laughs> there's nothing yeah. we can do about it. It's a, it's a neat concept. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. So eventually they cave in, they fight that, and this is the alien guy they fight. They defeat it. Well, I mean, they drop Braddock Manor, I think on top of it or part of a mountain or whatever, but they basically like, you can't live at Braddock Manor anymore because the robot guy is going to come back. Right. And they're like, yeah, fine, you're right. Uh, the black cat, the black suit guy, he's like, I'm never gonna work for free again because look what happened. A whole bunch of us got beat up and one of us got killed. This and sucks. The, the 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 black suited guy ends up saving the day. He does the, reluctantly. Somewhere in there, Betsy Braddock uses her precognition skills. Again, which is I just I mentioned that because I'm curious if we'll ever see the disappearance of that skill. Um, and then uh, then it goes back to the Jim Jasper storyline where like everything's gone to hell. And that's where I was like, uh, there's like concentration camps and there's this really neat story where it opens up with I heard he was in a food line and he gave his ticket away for somebody else. Well, I heard that he like all these stories that they're making up about Captain Britain and everything that they've heard about him in this new desolate food line jim jasper future and what i could yeah this this was definitely pretty cool this made me wonder is this happening while everything else is happening and apparently is because they refer to other things they do they refer to i don't know what you're specifically talking about but they talk about like the avengers and shield and yeah like those things exist Um, so it's almost like the uk is just cut off from everywhere else right now yes but that's the other thing i couldn't tell is this was uh is this because it seems like it was awfully quick for britain to go into this uh food line um uh Everyone's like, apparently the guards are just like picking fights with people like, you got funny looking eyes, you're a mutant. And then they beat him up for for whatever reason. Like this dystopian uh, uh, environment seems to have been created quite quickly. So I was wondering, is this the future? Is this the near future? Is this an alternate reality? Like, what are we looking at? And the unfortunate part, Adam, is while this story was engaging and gripping, it was left on a cliffhanger. <laughs> I'm sure there is a... Uh, you know, an end to it. I just, we just don't have it. So, yeah. I mean, if anybody can get their hands on either this run or a Captain Britain uh, trade paperback or whatever, this would be, you should, you should pick it up and read it because it's black and white. So fair warning, but it's, it's really interesting. And the artwork of course is great. The storytelling is top notch. Um, and it's weird. It's very weird. I'm going to see if I can pick up a copy. I definitely, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, in the in the post-apocalyptic or whatever world, um, that's this is oh yeah his name is Merlin. They the the chess players feel like they have lost control, and then um, Betsy Betsy Braddock's uh, boyfriend makes a choice to rescue everybody else, and he ends up getting killed, and she psychically feels it. There's like a weird little psychic shell over her head when he dies. Yeah. And uh, Captain Britain goes to face off James, Jasper James, James Jasper, whatever his name is. And uh, Oh, that's that's, right. That's when we get crazy James Jasper's powers have gone. Oh, he turns a a woman into a dog and he turns her assistants into like they have all these little, little men coming out of their bodies and they freak out and stuff. Yeah, that was a weird panel. 
So he turns into basically like you, you open up his room and it's basically psycho land where things are warping all over the place. And he's gigantic. It's like a big uh, space uh, scene. Like Captain Britain comes through the door and all of a sudden he's in the middle of this giant uh, galaxy and, and there's a giant James Jaspers in the middle of the galaxy. Looks like he's naked dancing around planets and stuff. Uh, arcade is referenced once in the story. Apparently yes. somebody was trying to call Arcade, but Jim answered or something. He's like, I'm much crazier. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Good stuff. It was good. And that and that's where it ends. So sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that I mean that's if, uh, if, I, if I can ever find this, I'll 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 uh maybe, I'll let you know how it ends. Maybe we'll wrap it up, but it's uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's like nine chapters or eight eight or nine chapters here. Plus, we're missing a few, but uh, I did find the trade paperback online, so I might just buy that. There you go, good idea. Um, how much is that trade paperback, Adam? I think it's twenty five bucks, which is the only reason why I don't just like buy it because it's like, <clears throat> do I really want to pay twenty five bucks for a story that I've read the most of already? I don't know. Does it does it start with stuff beforehand so you can get a better feel for Captain Britain, or does it just start on Daredevil's number five? I think it starts on Daredevil's number one. Oh, well. And ends with Mighty World of Marvel number 12 or something. Hmm, interesting. So I believe it's the entire Alan Moore, Alan Davis run, but I'm not 100% about that. That could be interesting. Well, I, am, I, may, I may do it. I don't know. I'm not well, sure yet. We turn our attention to the Avengers on Late Night with David Letterman, number 239. Yeah, this one was uh, this one was published or cover date of January nineteen eighty four on sale October eleventh nineteen eighty three and uh, this one's titled Late Night of the Superstars. Yeah, I read it. I didn't really care. That's with the all the Avengers faces being turned away on the on the top thing. Oh, I bet it's because these are the main Avengers and none of them are in this issue. Good point. The only Avenger you have is Hawkeye. All the other f- characters that are featured are reservists. So who is this? Is Captain America, She-Hulk, Captain Marvel, Wasp, Scarlet Wasp, Witch, and Scarlet Witch, and Fire Guy, uh, Starfire. Star yeah, Fox? it's Star no, Fox. Fox. It's no, like the brother of Thanos or something. Starfire. Star Fox is a Nintendo character. I think it's Star Fox, though. Is it? I think it is. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Beast is uh, in this issue, though, isn't he? Yeah, Beast is totally in this issue. He he gets called because uh, Wonder Man has to appear on David Letterman, and he doesn't want to do it on his own. His career is failing, and they expect him to bring some Avengers. So he, he calls uh, Jarvis and gets Vision, who is apparently now a computer. I don't know about that. He's a hologram. Anyway, uh, he, he's, like, he's connected to the Avengers mansion mainframe, Yeah, and his physical body is not not able to connect to it for some reason right anyway the, he, he, so vision calls a whole bunch of uh ex avengers or uh part like what are they reserve standby standby oh yeah reservists there you go avengers and beast says you know i've got my own group now but oh letterman yeah i'll be there cool he calls black widow who is like Seems like she's naked in one panel, but then she's dressed in the next panel. She's got a bikini on. Um, I mean, we can. Black Panther. We can just cut to the chase on this one. There's a 
There's a guy here who really wants to make a name for himself. So when he hears that the Avengers are going to be on David Letterman, he's like, now's my time to strike. And so they've defeated me before, but this time I'll defeat them. Yeah. So the, the, they go on David Letterman, uh, David Letterman and um, Paul Schaefer are featured in the, in the green room. There's a girl that says, Jack, I haven't given my the Beast my phone number yet as they're leaving. That's right. I thought that... Beast is very handsome, apparently. Yes. Yeah. Well, of course he is. Uh, and basically, they, they all go on TV, and they, they're talking a little bit. Apparently, Hawkeye's gone half deaf, so he's got a copy of the questions, but he's answering the questions out of order. Ha, 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 ha. And then this guy, yeah. this guy strikes, and there's a fight. Beast, Beast drops a bombshell on the air, and he says... The Avengers have always tried to maintain a healthy reserve, Dave. Actually, though, I'm going to be quitting soon myself. I've group, I've formed my own group, the Defenders. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody freaks out. Oh my god! And that's when all hell breaks loose. Uh, and basically, David Letterman saves the day because he has a giant doorknob under his desk, which he clocks the supervillain with. Yep. And this is where you also get to see the saga of Kristar Crystal Warriors action figures from Remco. Moltar Feldspar embodies good versus evil. Kristar is a crystal warrior. Oh, uh, Moltar is a lava warrior. Zardeth is the evil wizard. Magma Man is a lava warrior. He's apparently the generic. <laughs> Warbo. Warbo. Crystal warrior. He's probably also generic. Ogeode, the good wizard. Collect them all. Available at participating Kmart stores. The saving place. Where's Ica, Koth, and Lady Lavour? And special guest star Nightcrawler. There are no girls in this whole collection. <laughs> no wonder it didn't take off. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that's the Avengers. I thought there was, uh. I think Beast mentioned, oh, Beast uh, mentions once again, he, he tosses his reservist card off to Hawkeye and he's like, I got to go hang out with the Defenders, but thanks a lot for the me- uh, memories. And uh, Wonder Man, or Wondy, as they call him in this issue, is like, oh, I can't wait. It's so I'm so nervous. Okay, here comes David Letterman. And David Letterman interrupts the, or, uh, uh, starts the show, but is interrupted by a chemical barge burning out of control on New York's East River. And Wonder Man's like, what? I did all this work and they're preempting my show. And dun, so he's, dun, dun. Hawkeye's like, well, how about a beast? How about one more mission for old time's sake? And you talked me into it and off they go to their mission. So around this time, looking at the bullpen bulletins, this is, uh, this is uh, X-Men 177 is out. X-Men Classics number one is out. Oh. Um, Magic Ilyana and Storm Limited series number two is out. Star Wars 79. G.I. Joe 19, Electra Saga. Hmm. That's about it. Oh, Return of the Jedi number four. Well, so we turn our attention to the special double-sized issue of Moon Knight number 35 featuring X-Men and the Fantastic Four. This one is a, has a cover date of January 1984 and is on sale October 4th of 1983. Cover price is a dollar. This one's titled Second Wind. Yeah, and this we're going to skip most of the first half of it because it doesn't involve X-Men. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, well, this isn't Mark Scepter, though, is it? Like, or Spectre, no, rather. No, it is. But they call he has he has 
Because it says at the beginning, it's midnight when the man born marks Spector, oh. but who has long since glided into other identities. Ah. So he's now being referred to as, I don't know, Kenneth Sh- Shackles or something. <laughs> I made that up. He fights a dude named the Fly, and the Fly basically injures his back so severely that he can't stand anymore. Right. And he has a sidekick named Frenchie. There's and he's got a girlfriend who kind of reminds me of Dazzler. Kind of, yeah. And there's a serial killer Russian woman who's going around killing uh, Russian ballet artists who have uh, traveled away from Russia illegally. They've defected from Russia. That's a much better word than what I used. <laughs> Sorry. I've just been, I've been watching The Americans lately, uh, uh, the show. Oh, is that any good? Yeah, the show's great, I, actually. I've been meaning to watch that. You really should. Like, when I first heard the concept, I don't know, three or four years ago, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Uh, if it goes two seasons, I'll watch it. And they're already on their fourth season, so it's like, okay. And then you watch the show, and, and you're like, oh, I, this is pretty good. I like it. So it's not all about defection, but there certainly are defectors on the show. So this issue kind of reminded me of that. This this tall, seven foot, fifteen year old girl has got some powers, and she's super mad. And I don't know if she's been hired by the Russian government or not, but she's very mad at all of these dancers that have defected from Russia, effectively stealing Russia's gift of dance uh, from their native land. So she's hunting them down and killing them. Initially, you think she's working for the Russian government, but we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, and so. It's, Stephen, what's his face? He's a rich dude with all of his friends and stuff, and he's just mourning the loss. So he can't stand. He, he's very upset about that. And it goes on to the point where they go to the ballet. The big, tall girl attacks once again, and he's there, and he falls out of his wheelchair, and he can't do anything about it. And boy, is he mad about that. This was a really cool sequence. I mean, it I is. don't know any of these characters or anything, but there's this guy, Sergi Velberg, who is like this really good and really friendly guy. He's, he's a really good ballet artist and he knows he's going to die. And so he just starts dancing and stuff. And he's like, I'm just going to, if, if I'm going to end my life, I'm going to do it. If I die, it will be as I have lived honoring life through dance. And it's, it's just a cool sequence. It's kind of silly, but yeah, I like it. It's fine. He, he dies. And then he dies. And uh, there's nothing that uh, Steve Moon Knight could do about it. And so he's, he's sad about it. And he has some flashbacks about his life. Uh, and eventually he is able to power through the pain. And there's this page. Um, I don't know what the page number is, but it's basically where he's gritting his teeth right before he stands up. And it kind of reminds me of the artist that did the uh, Ghost Rider series. Uh, Mark Silvestri? Was it Mark Silvestri that did Ghost Rider? Uh, it was Mark Silvestri. Or no, 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 not Mark. I was... Uh... Texeria. Yeah, Mark Mark Texeria. This I think Silvestri takes over eventually. But. All right. This reminds me of Texeria. And I don't know if it's maybe just the heavy inking and the coloring, but the one where he's grud- gritting his teeth. Uh, yeah, it, you're definitely right. And I, I think it is the inking. Um, so I like that panel. Yeah. Apparently the inker is Bob McLeod. So he stands up and he's like, oh, I'm back. And that's when he goes to visit the professor. He's doing his research, and he's like, this girl's clearly a mutant. And you know who knows things about mutants? Professor Xavier, who runs a school but is not associated with the X-Men. Nope, not at all. No, sir. The professor surmises, based on some photography that was taken, that her powers are psionic-based. Mm-hmm. She she appears to control the wind, but he thinks that uh, when 
she she opens up a warp that allows wind or other uh, weather from other places. She opens kind of a, a portal to allow them to uh, come through her into her uh, whoever she's attacking. And she kind of controls it, but not necessarily. Right. So he's like, well, she's going to strike again because there's another ballet. Yeah, I'm going to be there. This is my fight. So thanks for thanks for offering to help me, but uh, I got this. I don't understand why Professor figures this. I mean, he's hanging out with Storm every day. You'd think he'd be like, oh, yeah, we got one of those. <laughs> Where does he get this whole psionic crap from? Maybe he's still trying to maintain his uh, cover, that he's just a... Uh, expert on mutants running a school not affiliated with the x-men that's this uh, i mean it's a it's a cool uh power but it just seems like from a couple of photographs i'm not sure how the no. professor could figure that out no so moon knight takes off and uh the professor calls down colossus and nightcrawler and says hmm we should probably stay out of this don't you think i mean and then they're and then they're like no we shouldn't no, uh, we shouldn't. <laughs> and they're like, maybe you're right. Maybe then, you're right. And then uh, Colossus says, Kurt, why do I feel like we've just led the professor exactly where he wanted to go? I feel like we are very much the pupil's friend, Peter, and he the teacher. Friend Peter. <laughs> Somebody doesn't know how to write Nightcrawler. <laughs> Storm's outside hanging out by uh, Moon Knight's airplane. Just kind of chat. You are a student here, Aurora. You might say I am doing graduate work, Mr. Jean-Paul, mademoiselle. I am something of a scholar myself. Perhaps we have to go. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hit it, Frenchie. Come on, says Moon We cannot go. There are too many clouds. Oh, they're gone now. Yes. Her code name is Storm. She can manipulate the weather. Let it never be said that she lacks a sense of humor. <laughs> see, see, Adam, because she she fixed the weather so they could take off. Yep. yep. She was really she was kind of annoyed by him. <laughs> Get out of my house. Go away, Frenchie. I do not like your accent. So as far as we can tell, Nightcrawler visits the uh ballet. Uh, but he is tapped on the shoulder by a familiar-looking orange rocky hand. Take it easy, Nightcrawler. I ain't gonna bite you. That thing? What brings you here, kid? And they go through the whole thing of like, well, Moon Knight came to visit us. And uh, things like, well, you don't think he just talked to you, did he? He talked to all of us. He ain't special. We're his backup. Yeah, he came to us because we're the Fantastic Four, and you guys, you're just the X-Men, and he doesn't know that the X-Men have anything to do with uh, Professor X, who's uh, who's actually not here. Oh, he, he's right there, yeah. <laughs> there what? he is. Oh, my God, there's all the X-Men, except for Wolverine. What's going on here? This sucks. Where's Wolverine? He's my favorite of you guys. I smoke cigars with him. It's true. So, yes, all of the X-Men are there. You've got Kitty, you got Peter, you got Storm, you got Coloss- or, or you got uh, Professor X. No Wolverine, no Cyclops. But Cyclops is on his honeymoon, so that makes sense. And we, we'll, we'll learn that Wolverine is back in Japan. Oh, really? Yeah. Will we learn that in this issue? No, we'll learn that in the, in the, in the, on the next episode of Danger Room. <laughs> Tune in. I was going to say. 
All righty. So the dance uh, begins. I like how everybody wore normal clothes. Uh, Nightcrawler not using his image inducer, um, which they comment on. He hasn't used it forever. And um, Moon Knight is wearing his Moon Knight costume, just hanging out on the side there. Well, he's got his own little... Uh, uh, he's got his own box, it's yeah. true. But, I mean, anybody looking up would be like, wait a minute. Who's that dude in the cloak? <laughs> the dude in the white collar is kind of freaking me out. Is he part of the show? Somebody really ought to cause security. That guy's looking like he's going to cause some trouble. So, yeah, the the play or the ballet starts. The uh, wind whips up, and that's when this uh, this lady shows up. And she's like, I'm going to kill you because Russia. At some point, Storm says, I can use my powers to control this weather. And the professor says, no, if you do that, the theater will explode. He says that. Uh, he says something like that. When we get there, I will. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I wanted to know, why doesn't Storm do anything? Goddess, the mad creature intends to murder them all. And no, at first, Storm? the professor is like, you know. Moon Knight's got to recover. He's on some sort of man spiritual thing. He's trying to be a man. So let's let him be a man. Yeah. So he jumps up there and he tries to become a man. And she she, she does the wind thing and they fight. Um, and since the powers are psionic based, as we learned from the professor, Frenchie like hits a button that they installed later to Start some ringing, which messes with her psionic abilities. And that's when uh, Mr. Fantastic is like, look, uh, here's our chance. It's up to us to see no one gets hurt. We're crowd control. So as things are whipping out of control, the Fantastic Four spring into action. Johnny Storm burns everybody, which is really unfortunate. Oh, and here's where Storm says, the demented child is inexperienced in her own powers. My own abilities could easily overcome her and end this madness. And that's when the professor says, no, this theater could not withstand such a clash. Then if we cannot uh, confront the Wind Witch directly, I'm the Wind Witch. (laughs) Storm is is relishing the fact that she finally gets to call somebody else Wind Witch. (laughs) We must do it. I've been waiting for this day forever. So she's going to do everything in her power to protect all the people. We are also crowd control. Yep, everybody, all the superpowers are crowd control. The professor tries to calm as many people as possible. However, some people are past the point of no return, I guess. That guy in the front is ticked off. Quiet, I'm trying to watch the ballet. (laughs) Can't listen to it with all of this wind. Maybe that's his wife to the left of me. He's like, ah, this is why I hate the ballet. (laughs) I told her tonight was not a good night for the ballet. Football's on. We're getting a divorce. (laughs) Kitty pulls some guys uh, through the wall with her phasing ability. The thing was able to secure a balcony with the help of Colossus. Uh, I like it says her name is Kitty Pride. She's got spunk. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) And so it looks like Moon Knight is on his he's I don't know down and out the chips are down she's he's, bl- he's crawling towards her he's uh, he's trying every last reserve in his body to just stand against her the temp- he needs a distraction the temperature drops rapidly a full degree per second Bora will not permit this to continue she will freeze his bones to brittleness and then snap them in the mi- uh, wind she will 
be momentarily distracted. Bamf. Huh? Boo! This is all I get to do this whole issue. Oh, and then I get hit in the face. Oh, come on. I sort of saved the day, though. <laughs> and that's when, with that momentary distraction, uh, Mark, not Mark Scepter, I guess, uh, Moon Knight is able to leap up and put, like, some chloroform or something on Bora, the tall lady from Russia, and she falls to the ground. Not dead. Every, every, everybody like freaks me. out for a second. Moon Knight? <laughs> um, are you... What did you do? <laughs> She's sleeping, Nightcrawler. Just sleeping. Because that's how I imagine Moon Knight talks. Sure, yeah. Hey, I'm Moon Knight. He talks like Batman, basically. Yeah. And that's about <laughs> She's it. She's sleeping, Nightcrawler. <laughs> Just sleeping. <laughs> and that's that. Uh, Moon Knight and his his cavalcade, they head back to Moon Knight Manor. And uh, Moon Knight's like, hey, uh, I'm feeling better. So he's all like, hey, Moon Knight, I just can't quit you. <laughs> I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit either. I can That's live with can. that. Yeah. So in the shadow of Anubis, who played a role earlier in this issue, they kiss. That's something. The Moon Knight has something to do with Anubis. Yes. He was seeking advice from the statue of Anubis, which I imagine is just a metaphor for meditating or something. But yeah, I don't know anything about Moon Knight. Um but this, you know, I don't know. All things considered, this was a pretty good issue. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a bit long. Well, it was a double double issue, so you know they got to stretch it out somehow. Uh, I like that it ended really quick. Like there was not a long drawn out thing. You don't actually know what happened to Bora. Like, did they turn her over to the police? Did they turn her over to the professor? Send her back to Russia? Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> maybe we never we never see her again. Maybe Moon Knight's got her locked up in the basement or something. Yeah, it could be. So there you go. Apparently, I don't. It's it's apparently the next issue is like a major direct direction change for this. But at the 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 website where I get the information for like when cover dates and all that stuff does not list Moon Knight thirty six. So I don't know if it just the series ended and that was the new direction. <laughs> Well, that's funny because the first page of the comic is like, next issue, Moon Knight meets with Doctor Strange and nothing will ever be the same or something like that. Yeah. So, whoops. So, I don't know. I don't, And I'm not going to do enough research to find out. Nah. Well, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I will after the podcast. But you, dear listener, don't get to know. Sorry. <laughs> not really. So, that's, that's, that's that. Um. Next week, we will be back with a regularly, your regularly expected X-Men comic book. Yeah, we got a, we got a long run for a while. Yeah, no, no more mixers for a while? This was the last, last mixer for a good, good long while. Well, there you go, folks. You've, it's been like three in the last couple of months, so. There's been a lot of stuff going on with the X-Men, so I think we covered it all, though, for a while. For a while. So, yeah, um, we'll just, uh, yeah, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, why don't you drop us a line at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com or visit us at xmenpodcast.com where all of the podcasts are available and uh, links as well. You can comment there or download the episodes directly. Or you can go out to iTunes and you can search in the podcast area for Danger Room will be the first podcast that comes up. From there, you could uh, leave us a comment or uh, a review, which would uh, help us be found by other plucky X-Men podcast listeners. You can follow us at Danger Room Go or you can join our Facebook antics 
Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. You can get us on your streaming radio at Stitcher, and you can leave us a voicemail, if that's your preferred communication vehicle, at 501-GET-X-MEN. And that's all I have to say about that. And until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Closed.